We're starting a new sermon series. It's on prayer, the prayer that overcomes. And uh, so before we start, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, reading the Bible in context. Context has to do with the situation that you read a passage of Scripture in. So if you take the Bible and you open the Bible and you look at, the, at a passage of Scripture, it's easy to read anything you like out of it. You said, uh, you know, you can read the passage and you can make it say whatever you want to say. But what we're really doing when we're looking at context, you're actually reading the verse in the situation. So when it says, you know, that Jesus went to Samaria, you're reading, you're thinking about, okay, it's talking now. This whole discussion is about Jesus and it's about walking to Samaria and you, and you put it in the context that it appears in. So you'll understand it where it occurs in the passage in the Bible. Now, what happens if you're reading the Bible and you're just taking a verse out of here and taking it out of it? It's like a photo album, you know? You get a photo album and you've got pictures in the photo album. And this is him when he was one years old. This is when he was two years old. This is when he was three years old. And you've got them in a context, you know, in a, an order. And I decided to take a picture out of that and just say, look, this is a picture of him. It's out of the context of the album. It's still a truth or still a word. It's still a picture. But it's, to see it in context is the best way to view it. So when we take a scripture and we take it out of context, we make a pretext out of it. And what's a pretext? I know this sounds a little bit... Some of you are not going to get this, okay? But I want you, those who are going to get this, I want you to get this and understand it because it's going to help you and it's going to save you from a lot of embarrassment. When you make a pretext, it's like you take a scripture out of its context and you make it say something that it's not really saying. So the, the definition for a pretext is a reason given in justification of a course of action that is not the real reason. And one of the scriptures that we use and take out of context so often is this one here. It's like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we know that one. And so you'll hear a lady, she'll sit down and she'll say, I'm going to eat the chocolate and I'm not going to get fat because I'm going to eat tons of chocolate and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's going to take the calories out. And they'll use that passage of scripture and say, you know what? I don't have to, I can eat chocolate and not get fat, you know, because Jesus says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, we know that that's a misuse of the scripture. We know that it's, I can run through, across water, you know, I can walk on water like Jesus walked on water, because he walked on water, Peter walked on water, I can walk on water. And we can take, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'll get wet. Because you take it out of context. So let's, let's have a look at this. This verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, happens in a context. So when you go and look at the verse beforehand, you find out what the context is and what Paul is talking about. So he says, I know what it is to be in need. I, he says, I know what it is to have want, like not to have everything I need. He says, I, I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to have lots and lots of money, he says. I have learned the secret of being content in any situation, whether I am in need or whether I have lots of money. He says, whether I am well fed or whether I am hungry. He says, whether living in plenty or living in want. He says, I have learned I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the context. 
The context is in this idea that Paul has learned to have lots of money and he's learned to have no money. And he can do all that. He can be poor and he can be rich. He's learned to be content in whatever situation he is. That's the context of that verse. To take it out and make it say something else is to make a pretext of it. Now, why do I tell you all that? To make you all confused? No, I want to start off and talk about this idea of prayer. And we're going to talk about prayer, but we're going to a passage in the Bible that is often taken out of context because there's a context that this passage occurs in. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20, we see that prayer is the context of this passage of the armor of God. You know, we hear sermons, and I have been guilty of preaching sermons on the armor of God and not preaching of the context of prayer. But the context of this passage in Ephesians chapter 6 is clearly prayer, not armor. It's prayer. So I want to I just bring that to your attention so that as we're going through this next series and we're going to go through the armor of God and we're going to talk about being having the armor of God on your life, it's in the context of praying. It's not in the context of having being strong and having armor on. It's in the context of prayer. Now in verses 6, 10, it says, be strong in the Lord, it says. And then in verses 13 to 14, we get this idea of stand your ground, stand firm. So he's saying, be strong in the Lord, stand your ground, and be firm. And here we have a repeated idea. Now remember we said, you, you know, you've got to look for things that are repeated when you're reading the Bible. Look and, and, and read and look for things that are repeated. Here in verse 8 and it says, to 20, it says, pray in the Spirit. Pray on all occasions. Pray with all kinds of prayers. Praying while being alert. Praying for all the Lord's saints or all the Lord's people. Praying for Paul uh, and his ministry that he was asking him. Pray that I may preach the word boldly. They're all in that context of being strong, standing firm, and standing strong in the Lord, not moving. So the context of that is all prayer. So we're going to deal with prayer, praying. Prayer that overcomes. We're going to talk today about being strong in the Lord. What it means to be strong in the Lord. So this is the passage of Scripture, and let's read it together, shall we? It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, the wiles of the devil, the word wiles means the trickiness, the cunning. You know, you, you, you know, some people can be tricky. They're a little bit tricky. They're a bit sneaky. The devil's a bit sneaky. He's a little bit tricky. You know, you think that you're playing one game and the devil's tricking you. He's tricking you because he's trying to deceive you. He's being really tricky. And the Bible tells you that you need to recognize the devil's being tricky. And he's not going to stop being tricky. He's going to keep on being tricky because he's going to try and undermine you and cause you to trip up and cause you to fall down. He's going to try and make you fail. He wants you to fail in life. So he's going to be tricky. So everything that goes into your head is not necessarily God and everything that comes into your head is maybe a trick to deceive you. And if you're not awake to the idea that you could be tricked, you're probably tricked already. If you're not aware that Satan is out there trying to trick you, you're probably already tricked. So we have to be aware of that. He says, that you may stand against the trickery or the schemes or the wiles of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So our, our fight, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. I'm not fighting against Olga. There's no, if I have an, uh, you know, a difference of opinion with Olga, I'm not fighting against Olga. It's not flesh and blood. It's the devil who's trying to bring us into disunity. It's the devil who's trying to break the relationship up. That's what we've got to look at. It's the devil, not Olga or me. It's what Satan is doing out there, tricking us to try and break the union, break the community. It says we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, and against the host of spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now he talks about four kinds of spiritual beings there, and I'll probably talk about that some other time because I'm not going to talk about it today because that's a whole different sermon on its own. But we just recognize that Satan is cunning and he's sitting out waiting to undo us and take us apart. And we've got to have our heads switched on. So prayer is a struggle against the devil's forces. That's what we know. You've got to, you know, how many people find it easy to pray? Put your hand up if you find it easy to pray. How many people find it easy to pray for a long time? How many people, it's easy to start, but to keep going is another story. Put your hand up if that's where you are. Easier to start, but to keep going is another story. Yeah, because, you know, when you start to pray, the devil doesn't like that. He makes sure that something's knocking on the door. Something's coming around. The phone's going to ring. You might be in a house meeting. You just come to a time of prayer, and then something, you know, you can hear those phones start to tick away. I don't know how many times I've been talking to somebody just about to lead them to the Lord. Would you like Jesus to come into your life? Yes, they said, I would like Jesus to come. And then their mobile phone rings. And it's a friend and they feel like they're compelled to, compo- compelled to answer the phone. And you go and say, well, what? That's the tricky devil. He's caused one of the friends to ring her. You know what? To distract her, to distract him from the point of the exercise, giving your life to Jesus. Tricky stuff. He's out there and he's working hard. It says in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 to 9, it says, Be sober, be vigilant. Sober is keep your head together. Keep thinking straight. Keep watchful. He says, because the devil's out there and he's roaring around, prowling around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He's coming up on you from behind. You can't see him, but he's looking to try and get you. He's trying to take you out. He does not want you to succeed in life and he does not want you to do anything for God. He does not want you to be effective in God and he does not want you to grow. He wants to damn you to hell like he's damned other people to hell and you have to be aware of that and you have to resist him, standing firm in your faith. If you go through life and you don't even think about the devil, watch out. Somebody says to me, oh, (laughs) I don't believe in the devil. He's got a wrapped up and tied up and lot. Don't believe in the devil. That doesn't matter. It doesn't make him go away. Just means that you're not watching him. All right. Prayer that overcomes, prayer that brings victory, prayer that conquers evil comes through an obedient life. Now, Jerome spoke to us on obedience last week. He talked to us about obedience, and you can't get away from that. If you want to have prayer that overcomes, if you want to have effective praying, it has to be built on an obedient life. Now, an obedient life is a life that does the will of God. 
you know, this is the place. If this place is going to be a, a house of prayer for all the nations, then it's going to be filled with people who have decided that following Jesus and being obedient to Jesus is the thing that they want to do. We're not sitting here playing games. We're here to follow Jesus. We're here to take our order from Jesus. We're here to follow the command of Jesus. Jesus, we're here to say to you, Lord, help us, teach us to live. And then we're here to walk out and do the thing that he teaches us to do. That's what we're here for. We're not here to have a fun time. Not here to sing and have a great musical time. We're not here for any other purpose other than to get our hearts in tune with Jesus and to go out and do what Jesus wants us to do. Prayer is spoken of in the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And this is what Jesus says about prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. A hypocrite is a person who says that they believe one thing but live differently. They are like an actor. They say, I'm a Christian. But when they go out and you see them at, at, at school, ah, you know, they talk like everybody else. They think like everybody else. And they do what everybody else does. And when they come to church, they put their Christian face on. They have a mask. It's called Christian mask for church. And then when they go to school, it's take the Christian mask off and be like the others. That's a hypocrite. He says, when you don't pray like the hypocrites do. So these, these guys were religious leaders. They were hypocrites. They come to church and have their, their fancy clothes on. And then during the week, they were outside of what God wanted them to do. This is what he said. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So they wanted to let you know, these religious leaders of the day, how well they could pray. Oh, I thank you, God, that you are so great and ubiquitous above all things. Think, oh, what's he saying? Well, it must be good because it's big words. I don't understand it. I just want to tell you how good I am at praying. By praying that way in front of you. Jesus said, don't be fooled by that. That's a tricky thing. That's the devil's tricky thing. He says, they've already received their reward because you thought that they were... Man, he can pray, can't he? Boy, I wish I could pray like him. Oh, I could never pray like that. I don't think I'll say anything in public because I can't pray like that person. That's a tricky thing, isn't it? He says... But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. That means you go to your bedroom, you sneak in there real quietly, hope no one sees you. You shut the door and you get down quietly on your knees, wherever you like to stand, and you pray to God who sees in secret. It's not a display of open righteousness. It's just you getting to Jesus and talking to Jesus. That's what he says you should do when you pray. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, he says. And when you pray, he says, do not keep babbling like pagans, like lots and lots of words. I just want to say um, and then keep on praying using lots and lots of words. He says, you don't have to use lots and lots of words. I mean, Jesus knows what you're going to pray before you even say it. I mean, the, the most effective prayer I've ever heard was the prayer that Peter prayed. Lord, save me. That was short, sweet to the point, and it worked. It saved him. 
he says, you know, we can make prayer like a religious thing, you know, like it's like we just say the rote thing. We say the thing over and over again. Our Father, you know, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And we, like, what are you saying? I don't know. I just learned to say that. Is that prayer? No, he says, that's just religious jargon. You need to stop and think about what you're saying. Do not be like him, like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask it. Then he says, and how, this is how you should, he starts off as, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed means holy is your name. So it starts off with this idea of acknowledging God is holy. And it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then that's this idea of, okay, what you want to do, Jesus? What do you want to do, King Jesus? Because I want to get alongside you and help you do it. I want to obey you. Prayer that is overcoming acknowledges the holiness of God, which looks at our hearts, and then we can see our sinfulness when we come before a holy God. And it also deals with our obedience. We have to get obedient with God. So it deals with sin and it deals with the things that we're doing. In James chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, it says, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then it says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. I just loved the songs that you sang today. Beautiful. It just flowed with the sermon. Purify our hearts, clean our hearts, clean our hands before your God. Because when you're coming in prayer, the first thing that you've got to do is recognize that God is holy. And if you're coming in and you're dirty, you need to be clean before you get there. And you need to let God do that. This is grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Get serious with God. Get serious. I mean, if you... You know, we, we often don't get serious with God until something serious happens. Isn't that sad? You know, something serious takes place. Oh, something serious has taken place. So we get on our face. Oh, God, I'm crying before you now. I'm serious. Well, why couldn't you be serious yesterday? Might have averted what happened today. A lot of times the things that we fall into that are seriously shameful are because we weren't serious the day before. Okay, so he says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So now I want to talk to you about the causes that cause, the things that cause sin, uh, sorry, the things that cause prayer to fail. Because you're like, oh yeah, I pray, but nothing seems to happen for me. How many people, some might get some frustrated, you know, about prayer because it doesn't seem to work. Put your hand up if you've struggled with prayer. Sometimes it just doesn't seem to work. Put your hand up high if that's the way. Yeah, that was one of the things that, you know, when you're growing up, you think, oh, I, I wish that I could pray and then bang, it would happen. I could pray and then we'd see God work, you know? And yet sometimes we prayed and prayed and prayed and it was just like, you know, nothing happened. Well, the Bible has some very clear ideas about why prayer doesn't work sometimes. And I want to talk to you today about those things because we're going to talk about being strong in the Lord. And what that means. So we, we'll start and we'll talk about the things that stop prayer from, from, from happening or stop prayer from being effective. Like really that stop God listening to you. So here's the first one. Isaiah, I mean Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regarded sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. 
So the, the word regarded means if I held in my heart sin, that means that you decided that you're going to do something that you know is not right. And you figured that God's got different rules for you. He has some rules for some people, but his rules for you, he's lightened up on his rules for you. You have this arrangement with God whereby you can do a not good thing because it's what you want to do and God's going to say, yeah, but you can do that. That's okay for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I ain't okay. Tell the person it's not okay. It's not okay. The same rules for everything. It's not okay. If I hold sin in my heart and keep it there, and then I come to God and say, Oh, Jesus, Lord of my life, will you please help me? He's going to tell me, I'm not listening. I'm not listening to you because you've got sin in your life. You've got sin in your heart. And so I'm turning my ear. I'm not going to listen to you. You know, sometimes we go before God and we say, God, help me in my situation. God, help me, help me. I'm in trouble now. And the trouble's because we're sinning. And we say, God never answers me. I ask for God to help me and he doesn't help me. Why is that? You know, and I can tell you one thing. If you've got sinfulness in the inside of your heart and you're hanging on to it and you think it's okay for you to do the wrong thing, God will not listen to you. You will not get your prayers answered. Your prayers will not overcome. Because he's already told you, you've got to have a clean heart, you've got to have a pure heart, you've got to clean your hands before him, otherwise he's not listening to you. So sometimes when you come in before God, the very first thing you've got to do is got to get on your face before say, clean me, make me clean, make me do and clean in the, in the inside so that my heart is clean. Forgive me for my sin, because he doesn't want to hear anything else from you when you've got sin in your heart except your confession of sin. That's the only prayer he will listen to when you've got sin on the inside. Indifference will stop God. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 28 to 30. Let's read that and see what it says. Then they will call to me and I will not answer. They will look for me and will not find me since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. So he's saying, you know, we tried, we tried to talk to them, but they weren't listening. They're indifferent to it. You put it in the kids. You know, you talk to somebody. Well, you look, you need to stop doing that. If you keep on doing that, something will, bad will happen, you know. And you talk to young children and they just, if they're indifferent to you, like they don't care, talk to the hand. I'm going to do what I want to do. You've got that attitude, you know. Mm-hmm. And then something bad happens. And they go, oh, help me, help me. God says, I'm not helping you because you are indifferent to me. I tried to warn you beforehand. I tried to tell you beforehand. If you kept going this way, I convicted you of my Holy Spirit. I spoke to you through the word. I got somebody else to come and talk to you about it. I spoke to you and said, stop doing this thing that you are doing. And you kept on doing it. You were indifferent to the word of God. Now the bad thing has happened. And you're calling out to God. And God says, I'm not listening to you. Because you were indifferent to me. I'm going to be indifferent to you. Oh, come on now. We want to pray and we want our prayers to overcome. God told us very clearly, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not. If I am indifferent to his word, if I don't listen to his word, if I don't obey his command, if I don't listen to him, follow him, then he will not listen to me. Which one of you has a child 
and the child continually disobeys you, continually does something to provoke you. And then the child comes and says, Mommy, can I have an ice cream? Which one of you will say, of course you can have an ice cream, obedient child. Not one of you will give the child what it wants unless you haven't got any backbone. You will stand up and say, why should I give you an ice cream and reward your bad behavior? Because you won't listen to me when I'm asking you to listen to me. If that's what a good parent does, what's God our Father like? He's holy and just. Don't don't expect that you can be indifferent toward God, then fall into calamity and come before God and say, help me, help me, please. And he's going to turn his ear to you and say, of course, my child. The only thing he wants to hear from you when you are indifferent toward him is, Father, forgive me for my indifference. I repent from that now. And he will hear you and forgive you. Any other prayer is not going to wash with him. It's not going to work. Neglect the mercy, he says, will shut his heart to you. It says, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. You think, you know, oh, you know, our church has got a street ministry you know, on Monday nights and they go out there on the van, you know, and on Saturday they, they head out onto the streets and they work in the van. And, you know, I reckon it's just a waste of time, you know. I reckon these people just need to have their heads away. You know, they're only there because they have no other... They're just bad stewards of government money. And you're indifferent to the plight of the needy. And you're indifferent to the, the poor that are out and the broken that are out there. You just completely, in, you just don't care. You neglect the mercy that's necessary. God wants you to be merciful to them, wants to stretch your hand out towards them to help those who are poor. And you just think, you know what? It's not for me. I'm into something else. And then he says, and when you cry out for help, I will block my ears to you because you don't care about those who are in need. You know, this says something very strongly to us about our social obligation toward others. If we neglect our social obligation to others, then God will stop his flow of blessing toward us because we are blessed to be a blessing. And the people that we are to be a blessing to are those who have not got what we have. You say, well, I don't have the wealth I don't have the money to help those who don't have it. Well, neither did the Macedonians. They didn't have anything. And they gave generously above more than what they could afford. They gave it to Paul. That's no excuse. Even if you've got nothing, you can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your love. You can be generous with your life. It doesn't matter if you're indifferent to that plight. If you don't care, if you are neglecting mercy, God says, I'll neglect it for you. If you despise the law, God says, I'm not going to listen to you. If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even the prayers, even his prayers are detestable. So when you're reading the Bible and and you're reading something in the Bible and it convicts you, you feel the Holy Spirit say, you know, this is you. You need to stop what you're doing. You need to listen to that. And you say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. He says, "If if you've despised, the word despise means to think very little of. So if you sit there and you think very little of the, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking, ah, it's just nothing. Don't worry about it. Then he says, I'm not going to, even your prayers are detestable. Detestable. I, 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 they make me sick. Your prayers will make me sick, says God. If there's blood guilt on your hands, now blood guilt, 
Blood guilt means if you kill somebody, if you're guilty of killing somebody, and you say, I'll go out there and I'll slay somebody, kill him. So I went out there and killed Noel. Ah, stab him to death. Ah, yeah, ha, ha, ha. That feels so good. Ha, ha. And then I come and I think I've done God a service now. I killed, just killed Noel. <laughs> and I go to before God. I've got blood on my hands. Noel's blood on my hands. God says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Now, in the old days, we used to kill with swords and spears. And now we kill with guns and things like that. But you know what? The Bible says if you're angry at your brother, if you're angry at your brother and you speak words that would kill, don't come before God and then expect God to bless you. He's saying... You are angry at your brother. You've got blood guilt on you. I'm not going to listen to you because you're too busy gossiping and killing other people with your tongue. So then you come to me and ask you to bless. I'm not listening to you. I'm not going to do anything you say, he says, because you've got blood on your hands. They say, oh, man, man, this is really hard. How do we get prayers answered in this place? I mean, if I have any sin in my life, he's not going to listen to me. If I neglect the poor, he's not going to listen to me. If I neglect instruction, he's not going to listen to me. If I'm indifferent to God, he's not going to listen to me. How do I get prayers answered in this place? You've got to get serious to get prayers answered. You've got to get serious with God to get prayers answered. Don't come here and think you can, God is Father Christmas, and you can say, come on, Father Christmas, give me, give me, give me what I want. God is not your Father Christmas. He's Lord of your life. And you better obey him, otherwise you'll get nothing. Not nice, eh? <laughs> Poke somebody beside you and say, lighten up. <laughs> right. Stubbornness. How long is this list, Jesus? How long does this list go for? It's kind of I mean, this is the this is the damage report, okay? <laughs> You want to know why you don't get prayers answered? There's lots of reasons why God's not answering your prayers. You see, the problem is not with God. Don't sit there and look at God and say, you know, I don't believe in God because he won't do what I say. (laughs) Stop that. That's trickiness. That's the devil's trickiness. God is above all and will do above all and can do more than you ask or think through the power that worketh in you. He can do it. He's able. He's well able. You know what you're not able to do? You're not able to repent well enough. So that he hears you well enough. So that he can do what you want him to do. And I'm the same. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I haven't repented well enough. God is not reluctant to do things for us. But he says, you know, there's a basis on which I'll do and I'll work with you. And this is the basis. And I know know some prayers take a lot of time before they answer. You only have to take Abraham. Abraham waited 25 years before his blessing came. And he lived before God 25 years with a right heart before God. Sometimes you have to wait for the answer to come. So just because the answer doesn't come this week or next week doesn't mean that he's not answering you. It just means you have to keep your heart clean before him. And keep the heart pure before him as you're waiting for the promise to come. So stubbornness, he says, but they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Imagine doing that to God, hey? The creator of the universe. 
and he clears his throat. <coughs> I'm speaking to you. <coughs> Do you hear me? I'm God the Holy Spirit, and I'm speaking to you right now. I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. Talking, 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 talking. Is he still talking? No, I'm not listening, I'm listening. Oh, get those earphones in, turn the music up loud, so I don't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. You know, half the time we listen to radio and watch TV to crowd out the voice of God who's speaking to us. Because we don't like what he's saying. Because it would change us if we listened to it. I was working on a job in this, at uh, Jade's place. And the guy comes in and he's fitting the, the mirrors and stuff. He's taking some measurements. And he says to me, where's the music? I said, what do you mean, where's the music? He says, you can't work without music. He said, but I like to think. He says, no, I listen to music so I don't think. So I don't think. Why, I've got so much mess in there, I don't want to think. I just want to listen to the music and get myself brained out. So we put the music in our ears and we drum along. Why? Because we don't want to think about what really is happening about us. It's tricky stuff. It's tricky stuff. If I can stop you thinking about your sin and you don't think about your sin, I can keep you sinning longer and longer and longer. And if you keep listening and you keep listening to that music and oh, it's good, and you keep on sinning, you'll go to hell like everybody else is going to go to hell. Why? Pull it out. Start to think. Turn your head on. Put your head in there and say, what is the voice that's speaking to me? If I am stubborn to the voice of God, then when I call out, help me, Jesus, he's going to say, forget it. I'm not coming to you. I'm not listening to you. I'm not going to go there. You're not listening to my hand. My, I'm not, you're not listening to my voice. You're stubborn. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had given or sent by his spirit to the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. And when I, when, when I called, they did not listen. So when they call, I will not listen, says the Lord Almighty. He made their hearts, hearts as hard as flint. You know what flint is? Flint is stone. Imagine having a heart that was hard as stone. So when you could see something, not worried about it, I don't care, doesn't worry me, you do something wrong, you tell a lie, I don't care, don't feel it, I'm not feeling nothing, you tell a lie, you can gossip, it doesn't matter, it's hard as rock, your heart doesn't feel grieved, it doesn't feel sad, it's just... Rock on the inside, rock on the inside. And when you call out to God, and you will call out to God one day, and you'll say, God, please don't throw me into the fire. And he's going to say, I'm not listening to you because I called out to you to warn you. And you made your heart hard as a rock. You would not listen. So I'm not listening to you. Oh, 
instability. No, I don't know. I'm not sure. Either way, doubting. It says in James chapter 1, verses 6 to 7, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown, tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. If you doubt, it's not a good deal. Jesus is not there. He says, faith is the thing that, God, that pleases God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You say, I don't know why I'm asking you because you never give me anything I want anyway. So I don't even know why I'm asking you now. I doubt that you'll even give it to me now anyway. Guess what? You won't get it. It's not coming. You've got to come to Jesus and say, I believe. In fact, I believe so much I'm going to live my life in, the, in agreement with that. It's not here yet, but I'm believing it's coming. And I'm going to walk that way and I'm going to believe it's coming to me because, Lord, my heart is clean before you. I'm sensitive to you. You, you hear my prayers. Self-indulgence stops us from getting anything from God. I mean, this, is, this is a huge list. And if you haven't been writing it down, guess what? It's all gone. But don't worry, you can get it off the web. It's there, the notes are there. It says, when you ask, you do not receive. He says, because you ask just for yourself. Because you ask with wrong motives. You ask so that you can look at, I would like, Lord Jesus, for you to give me the biggest car, a yellow one, so that I can drive around in a car, a yellow one, so people could look at me and see how fancy I am in my yellow car. He says, you're not going to get a yellow car. I'm not going to give you a yellow car so you can have a fat head and brag about your yellow car before other people. You're not going to get it because you're just going to consume it on yourself. Oh, Lord Jesus, give us a yellow bus. Because all I want is a yellow bus, not for myself. I don't care what the bus looks like. Just give it many seats so I can pick people up to bring to church. Guess what? You'll get the yellow bus, but you won't get a yellow car. The point is, what's it for? What are you asking God for? Is it for yourself? Is it just for your own greediness? Lord Jesus, give me, give me, give me, I want, I want. Or is it for him and for his glory? Now, here they are. Here's all this list of reasons why your prayers aren't getting answered. Scary, isn't it? Secret sins, indifference, neglect of mercy, despising the law, blood guiltiness, stubbornness, instability, and self-indulgence. All reasons why God says, I will not listen to you if you come before me. Which kind of says to me, today's message is simply this. When you come before God, you better clean your heart really good. Because if you don't clean your heart, he doesn't clean his ears. Today is our regional prayer day. We have prayer meetings tonight. Prayer meetings at Pastor Jerome's place. I have a prayer meeting at my place. And there's a prayer meeting at Warwick and Julie's place. And one of the first things on the prayer list, which is uh, some lists on my chair there. I haven't got one for everyone. They, they were going to be sent out in an email, but we, we, we revamped the web page. So it's a, new, it's a new look. Nathan was up to 4.30 this morning doing it. I'll give the leaders of the groups a couple of those. And that's got all the... All the, the first prayer request on that is, 
Lord Jesus, fix up my heart. Because there's no point in praying if your heart is unclean. There's no point in coming before God and asking God for anything if there's self in the middle and not God in the center. You just waste your time. You're just wasting your time. Do you want God to work in your lives? I, I just want God to work. In, he says, you know, Mark, how much do you want me to work in your life? I said, oh, I want you to work more than anything, Lord Jesus. I want you to, to shine out more than anything. He says, okay, let me change you. Oh, do I have to get changed for this? He says, I can't change the world unless I change you first. Some of you say, oh, you know, I want God to do things for me, you know. He wants to do things for you. But before he wants to do things for you, he wants to do things in you. He wants to change things in you. He wants to change your heart. Obedience is what being strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might is all about. You say, well, what being strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, what does that actually mean? Being strong in the Lord. Well, only one way I can understand that is being strong in the, in the Lordship of Jesus. That means Lordship means he, he is the Lord of your life. Being strong in the Lordship of Jesus. So if I'm going to write on the board, and I might as well, as I put it there, look at my, I've got a few minutes before 11 o'clock, and I'm just going to stop at 11 o'clock. If I was going to be strong in the Lord, I have to put the Lord in the center of my life and not self in the center of my life. Do you understand that? So being strong in the Lord is not being strong in religious ideas. Being strong in the Lord means, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And if he says jump, you say jump. If he says stop, you say stop. So being strong in the Lord is saying, God, you are the controller of my life. You are the one who's in control of my life. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his mind. You say, Lord Jesus, you know, I want you to be strong in me. In the last days, there's going to be all this kind of evil happening around in the world. And they're going to have the form of godliness without the power of it. And what's the power of godliness? The power of godliness is found in a changed life. It's not found in jumping around and rolling around and making lots of noises and stuff, it's found in a changed life. When an alcoholic finds Jesus, the changed life is he stops drinking. It's simple, really. You know, If a drug addict finds Jesus, he has the power to say no to drugs. It's simple. You know, Jesus, I am not in the center of my life. I want to have a fix. I want to have drugs. I want to have sex. I want to have all these things. This is, I want to please myself. And if I want to be strong in the Lord, I have to say, Lord Jesus, this man is dead. This one lives. If you say no to drugs, then I'm with you. I'm no to drugs. If you say no to alcohol, I'll do everything to keep away from alcohol. I'll stop. I'll get with somebody. I'll, I'll tie me to the bed until it goes away. I so want to stop. I so want to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You know, prayer starts off with the Lord Jesus being the center of our lives. If we want overcoming prayer, it has to be Jesus overcoming our lives. You know what the promise is then? 
It says this is the promise. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. What? You get the prayers answered, you receive them. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Simple. He says, I'll give you whatever you want. Oh, great. What does it mean? It says, you have to die and let me live inside so my will can be done through your life and then I'll give you whatever you want. Let the Lord give us the desires of our hearts. Oh, remember, this is in Psalm 37. Let the Lord give you the desires of your heart. You think, oh, my desire is for, I'd like a house and I'd like this and this is my desires and you give me the desires. That's, you're making a pretext out of it. You're pulling it out of context. You know what? He wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants to put his desires in your heart. He doesn't want to put your desires on the throne and say, well, I have to give you a car and a house and a good chicky babe and lots of money so that you can look good amongst your peers so you have status and wealth. God says, I'm not interested in your status and wealth. I'm interested in my kingdom and my kingdom coming. You know what? I want my will in your life. I want my desires in your life. God, give me the desires of my heart. That's a different prayer. That means take away my will, my desires, and put your will and your desires in my life. Say, Lord Jesus, you write your desires. And whatever you ask in prayer when you have the will of God on your heart, he says he will do it. This is our confidence, it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. He says, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And whatever we ask, we have what we desire of him. This is, we know he hears us. And we have the things that he, why? Because they're his desires in us. You know, I've, I've listened to people criticize God a lot, you know. Speak bad about God. The creator of the universe. Getting a rough ride from people who've asked God to jump through their hoops. God, jump through my hoop or I'm not going to believe in you. God, you do what I say now when I tell you to do it or I'm not going to believe it. I'll talk bad about you to other people. God is not impressed by that behavior. And he doesn't answer those prayers. If you want prayer that overcomes, it starts by being strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It recognizes the trickiness of Satan. And it says, you know, as long as I'm alive on the inside, God is not going to look at me. He's not going to help me. The only thing that's going to get God to help me is that if the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me and I put myself to death. If I'm dead on the inside and Jesus is my life, then whatever I ask in prayer, God is committed to answer it because it will be his desires, not mine. Hmm. So there's some food for thought. Amen. I thought prayer was easy. I mean, I thought Father, God was Father Christmas. No. Father God is creator, holy creator. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And as we come to God, it's a recognition that as you come to God, he wants your whole heart clean before him. With that, that cleanness, nothing 
is going to work. We want prayer that overcomes. Amen? We want to be praying and we want to see our prayers accomplish things. Amen? We want to pray for people at school and see them converted. We want to pray for people in the workplace and see them converted. We want to pray and ask God to deliver the things that he wants to deliver for his kingdom's sake. Amen? Well, you know what happens? It starts with you and with me. We've got to get our hearts clean before him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Think, this is not going to happen with a serious commitment from me. Amen? Let's stand and ask Jesus to do that in our lives. And sometimes you think that God has not heard you, but he's heard you. And he's seen your heart, and he knows your heart is good. And just because the answer is not here, I don't want you to start feeling condemned. There's no condemnation in this message. This message is not about those who are waiting patiently for the gift of God or the the blessing of God that's coming. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of conviction to those who think that God should jump through their hoops. Of those who want God to do for them what they're not willing to let God do in their lives. God is not here to condemn you. He's here to bring you up and to convict you. And I want you to just close your eyes and think about what he's saying to you today. Have you heard what he's saying to you? Has he spoken to you about an area in your life that's not quite where it should be? It's maybe showing you that God wants his complete reign in your life. He wants to be Lord of everything in your life. If you're there, I want you to just raise your hands to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you everything now. I don't want any of these things to stop the flow of blessing. I know you want to bless us. You bless us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I don't want to stop that blessing by my wrong-heartedness, by my wrong motive or my attitudes. Lord, cleanse me. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything will be taken away if we just come to him now and say, Lord Jesus, clean my heart. Help me to live a clean life, Lord Jesus. Take away the thoughts. Take away the ideas. Take away the motives that are wrong, Lord Jesus. I give them to you right now. Clean my heart, Lord Jesus. By your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for this congregation that you will stir within them, Father, on this day that we celebrate your presence here with us. Lord, that you touch them, convict them by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, remove any of the tricky things that Satan may have done to try and stop them from having those prayers answered. Father, hear us, we pray. Move upon this congregation and purify our hearts, we pray. Forgive us for our sinfulness, Lord Jesus. Forgive us for our attitudes that are wrong at times, Lord Jesus. Forgive us for our eyes and our ears that listen to the wrong things or look upon the wrong things, our hands that touch and do the wrong things, Father. Help us, Lord Jesus, to walk purely before you, we ask, that your will may be manifest in our lives, Lord Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.